This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. They expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. Today it is just me, Billy Mully, on presenting duty. Kieran and Jamie are unavailable, but because it's January transfer window, there's been a lot of rumours, a lot of continued talk about uh, players and situations, updates to stories that we've already had as well. So we'll run through the latest since the last episode. Also joined a little later on by Everton fan Ellis Nordhoff of the Toffee Blues podcast. Uh, so we'll hear his thoughts ahead of the game at the weekend in the FA Cup fourth round um, at Goodison Park. It's going to be an interesting one considering both teams are battling for safety in the Premier League. Attention can turn away from what is top flight football. So we'll start with. Um, say a bit of news it's not news now because it, it happened perhaps a week ago Tom Holmes Reading defender signed um, again we, we don't know the length of the contract uh, but we do know that he's headed straight back to Reading to complete the rest of the season there on loan Reading as a club as as football fans we know are going through a real difficult sort of period at the moment with, with ownership that um you know, ownership that should be nowhere near football, I think it's fair to say. And it's made the situation really, really difficult for those players and for the fans, which ultimately are the most important people in football. 
I think Tom Holmes, uh, going back to Reading, uh, of course, League One football now, he's character building. He's seen as somewhat of a leadership figure there. So if he if he can continue, you know, leading his side and if he can continue putting up strong performances and, and keeping Reading afloat come the end of the season, I think that would be a job well done. Um, and then obviously... It'll be interesting to see where Luton are come the start of next season. That will probably play a part as to what happens with his development uh, from all accounts and, and from looking a little bit further into to the kind of player he is. Um, of course, we've come across him a few times uh, at Reading, but it's fair to say he's a tough tackling defender. He reads the game very well, capable of playing, playing out from the back. Um, all attributes that you'd sort of associate with um, a Luton Town player. So it'll be great to see how he develops for the rest of the season. Can he help keep Reading afloat? Another kind of story that involves, well, it is a story that involves Reading, is the situation of, of Nelson Abbey. When we first heard of Tom Holmes potentially joining Luton, it was in association with Abbey. There was a potential double deal on the doors. Well, it seems from a Luton perspective anyway, that that had stalled um, the the initial story referred to uh, a situation where a deal was done behind the backs of Reading manager um, Sellers and the director of football as well at the club. Um, since then, Olympiacos have become reportedly become a, a lead contender for the signing of Abbey, but it remains to be seen how that situation plays out. I wouldn't raw looting out at this point but um it's a situation that, that has seemingly dragged on and he, a player as talented as he is but, but by you know a lot of reports that have come through it is quite difficult to to pinpoint if Luton will be the club we we'll go to there'll be a lot of interested parties outside of the ones that have been mentioned so that is another one to keep an eye on i guess uh nelson abbey England under 20 international. He has captained Reading as well, and he has been enjoying a fantastic season. A left sided centre back as well. Very, very comfortable with the ball at his feet, but also aerially a monster. Um, a player that you expect to have a very, very good future, but but one that you just uh, you just don't know how this situation will play out. And I think that's the the main message here. We'll go on to Tiden Mengi as well. We, we've spoken about him in association with Fulham and I believe it was Crystal Palace. Uh, there were rumours perhaps two weeks ago suggesting that, that Tiedem Mengi was a player that those clubs were not necessarily keen on making a move for now, but were keeping tabs. Um, a second report now from footballtransfers.com has suggested that, that Mengi is certainly a target for Fulham. And again, it doesn't specify whether that will be this January or somebody they'll keep on their radar with a potential move in the summer. Um, you'd like to think that we're not in a position where we need to sanction the sale of somebody as influential as as uh, Tina Menge. He's been fantastic, especially in recent weeks. Still just 21 years of age as well, which is incredible. Incredible when you consider the kind of quality he's shown in Luton Colours so far. We'll go on to uh, a situation that, that is fast becoming um, a topic of discussion online, on Twitter, on 
anywhere where Luton is discussed. And that is Ryan Giles' situation. Of course, we signed him in the summer from Wolves for £5 million, record signing, a player that, that we were really excited to see in Luton colours. He struggled, I think, to the, at the start. I think that is fair to say. I think he didn't really show the qualities he'd shown in the championship, namely his, his crossing ability. He couldn't really translate that into the to the Premier League. I've personally seen growth in him. I think he's become a lot better player. Um, you look back to the Man City game, I think it was, where he put in a, a very decent display against you know the, the best team in the world. Um, so his situation has been quite interesting, probably not helped by the fact that Alfie Doughty has become one of England's most impressive fullbacks in that time. Um, Giles hasn't really progressed from where he was, whereas Doughty is rocketed sky high. But the situation involving Ryan Giles, if reports are to be true, um, coming from the uh, Daily Mail, is that whole city are keen on striking alone with an obligation to buy deal, which means he, he, if Hull have it their way, he will spend the rest of the season on loan and then Hull will be presented with the option to buy him. Um, that is reportedly around £4.25 million, which when you consider the reported fee that, that we paid for him, £5 million, um, potential loss in there. Um, that's a, a massive talking point in itself. Ryan Giles potentially leaving. Um, you look at the wing back positions as well, and it's not. I think it's fair to say we're not blessed with many options in, in those departments at the moment. Of course, Doughty's had to play left wing back, right wing back fairly uh, routinely, swapping between them both. Um, Giles has stepped in well in, in some, some parts this season. Um, I still don't think we've seen the attacking output that, that he's capable of producing. Um, we've also seen Chio Ogbené play um, as a wing-back and I think he's been he's been good, but I think he's much more effective when he's on the wing. It'll be interesting if that happens, um, what Luton have lined up because it, it's, you'd like to think that there'd be recruitment on that front if Giles is allowed to go. Um, we just mentioned there being fairly light on numbers when it comes to the wing-back department. Um, so you'd like to think that that's something Luton will be focusing their efforts. Uh, that is it for the rumours. But what I want to know is what is your dream transfer? There is not too long left of this window. Um, is there a player out there that you think would look good in orange? Is there a player out there that, that fits our system perfectly? Um, let us know. I think I'll put two players out there and I'm pretty sure I've put this name out there before, but Dan Ballard at Sunderland. I think he's a fantastic centre-back, a very good age of 23. Um, again, physically, I think of Premier League level, capable of playing with a ball at his feet. It's one that would probably be an expensive transfer. Um, expensive, I mean, 10 million plus, And that's probably where... Um, the dream element of this section comes to. But um, yeah, Dan Ballard, I think he's a very, very good player with a very high ceiling. And he was missed a lot last season, uh, come to the end of the season where, well, when we played them and beat them 2-0, he was missing. And I think if they had a player of his ability available for that game, it would 
potentially have looked very different and we might not be sit- sitting here pretty in the Premier League. The other one's Jacob Greaves, who, funnily enough, is at Hull City, left-sided centre-back, um, countless games in the Championship. I think he's got four seasons of exp- of Championship experience behind him now. He's still 22-23, very, very comfortable with the ball at his feet, elegant passer, um, good range to his passing as well, but, but can also compete. So that's two players that I believe could make the step up to Premier League football at Luton Town. Please comment yours below. I've got a call here to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, we're, of course, Oak Road Hatter. Like this video and continue sharing our videos. It helps massively as we try and grow all things Oak Road Hatter. Coming up next and after the break will be my talk with... Everton fan Ellis as we look ahead to the FA Cup fixture coming this weekend. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back for part two of today's episode and I'm now joined by Everton fan Ellis Nordhoff. Ellis, how are you? I'm good, thanks mate. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We we spoke earlier in the season and it was it was Luton that, that prevailed. It was Luton that, that secured the win, but FA Cup time and it, it could be a different story. Uh, Ellis, just thinking back to, to that game and we spoke a little bit about it then. Um, and I think you probably summed it up perfectly. Luton were clinical um, and sort of capitalised on what was a difficult start to Everton's season at, at home. They had that sort of difficult period, didn't they, where results weren't going for them. Um, what did you make of that that day in, in September? I've tried to erase it from my memory, but uh, <laughs> I suppose it's still there. And yet you deserve you deserved it on the day because you put the ball in the net more than we did. And it's always down to that, isn't it? We might have created chances. This was the story of the start of our season because at home we were creating chances and weren't putting it in the net. And we got punished on that day. It's like the two goals you scored, you know, they weren't the best goals, but you scored and we didn't. And I, you got more goals than us, so you beat us. It's as simple as that. And like I suppose that day really did make us think, well, if we can't beat Luton at home, who are newly promoted and everyone's already wrote off, who can we beat? But a lot's changed since then, of course. We've had the points deduction, we've had the good flurry of form, and then we've had it dip again. And now I think we've evened out a bit and we're ready to actually uh, make amends for that defeat earlier on. It's actually been chaos for, for both teams since since that fixture in September. Of course, the as you mentioned there, points deductions, that, that run of form where you looked unbeatable at times. And then, of course, a little bit of a dip since then. It's been a real roller coaster. Um, if I remember rightly, we spoke a little, I'd, I'd say in depth about Ross Barkley, um, who at the time hadn't really shown his best form um, as, as a Luton player. And you said it would be peak Everton if Ross Barkley was to score. Well, I think it's probably safer to say that he's got a higher chance now because he's playing some absolutely fantastic football at Luton Town. Um are you are you a little bit more worried than you were, say, four months ago? 
I was going to say this actually because I remember at the time we were thinking, oh, is he going to play? Is he not? Whereas now it's a case of he is first name on the team sheet, isn't he? He's really starting to flourish now. And I'd like to say I'm happy for him, but I'm just not because Everton fans don't like Ross Barkley. And <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to score against us because he's had a lot of stick from the Everton faithful since he left. But, you know, he's got into a team now where he's playing every week and he's actually appreciated by the fan base. And you're starting to see the quality of player that he is. And we always saw that when he played for us, he he had the technical ability of a top player and it just never materialised with the move to Chelsea. And then he went to Villa on loan and even spent some time at Nice, I think, in France. And it just never worked out for him. But we always knew he had that ability. And we actually look now and think we could have done with him because we don't have a midfielder who can pick the ball up and drive with it the way he does. And he seems to not only dictate the play, but also he can he gets it and he has that excitement factor for you, doesn't he? He can pick it up and carry it and you know he's going to create something. So I'm very worried about him this time. But yeah, I was surprised that he suddenly started doing really well. Yeah, I think if there was one thing that I would have expected this season is that we'd be second best when it came to the midfield department. I didn't expect to win too many midfield battles, but having a player of Ross Barkley and Lukonga has been fantastic for us. Those two together have really sort of changed that narrative. We'll go on to the FA Cup. It is, of course, the FA Cup fourth round. Um, it's still weird that, that us Luton fans enter in the third round. Um, I, I do remember playing in the fourth qualifying round a few times. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a, a few less wins to get to, I guess, the promised land of the, the semi-finals where you get the trip to Wembley and a lot of cash as well. We're both sitting, as things stand in the league, in what we deem a relegation battle, of course, potential further points deductions for, for Everton could change the, the narrative slightly. But how much of a priority do you see the FA Cup? Of course, Everton, a long tradition of, of being um, you know, a, a Premier League club. Does the FA Cup still excite you? Absolutely, it does. And Everton have won it five times, so we've got that history and it's just such an important cup to me because it's more important than the FA Cup. It's more important than the Carabao Cup because we've never won that and that one's cursed. But the FA Cup, it always does get that excitement going. And even though people say the magic's gone a bit, you still dream when you get through those first few rounds. And that's what I want for us. I want us to get to a point where we can start thinking, maybe we will go to Wembley this year. And for the size of Everton, it doesn't happen often enough. You know, We haven't won a trophy now for 29 years this year. It will be if we don't. And it's just not good enough, is it really? So I'm hoping that we can have some sort of cup run. And I don't really buy into this idea that we should go out just to focus on the league because I think the amount of games that you have to play for it doesn't really outweigh the benefit that it'd be not being in it. And what it can do for squad morale, what it can do for just the general feeling around the club, I think being in a cup competition is really important. And... Everton, you know, have said the tradition of being a Premier League club, um, the support at Goodison Park, albeit sometime at the start of the season, it, it was difficult for, for the club, but typically have a very strong fan base. Goodison Park is, is packed and loud on, on any given Premier League um, game week. What's it like for the FA Cup? Do the stands still fill up to the same kind of level what they do in the Premier League, or what? What do you expect from Goodison Park come come this weekend? There's a different feel about it. I think when 
when you go to a cup game, obviously there's a lot of new fans or fans who don't go every week. So there is a different feel about it, but you always sell out still. There's no chance that Goodison won't be full. Everton will sell out all the tickets and we will all be there because it's Everton at the end of the day and it doesn't matter what game it is, Evertonians are there. So it will sell out, but it will have a different feel about it. It won't quite be as ferocious, I don't think. If it if the Palace game's anything to go by, that was really flat and I'm hoping it's an improvement on that because we're another round further in the cup. But that game, it really did feel like a pre-season friendly and I don't want it to feel like that. But I think the prospect of the Luton game being a more physical affair potentially could have some uh, good battles in there. I think that could get the crowd going because we did see in the Palace game, at one point it almost looked like both teams didn't really want to play and Palace kind of gave up in the 60th minute because they took Eze off and it just petered out in the end. Whereas I think if two teams are going for it, that's what can spark Goodison and that helps the team massively as well. If Goodison's up for it, then that will help drive them along. So I do hope it is a good atmosphere, but... Wednesday against Palace didn't really suggest that. And we mentioned the the uh, 2-1 victory to Luton at Goodison Park earlier. Um, I think we've both mentioned that, that both teams have come a long way since that. How much do you think that will play on the mind of, of say, Sean Dyche? Um, I, I guess the, the rest of the Everton squad, do you think there's going to be much reference to that when, when um, he, he speaks about this game? Do you think that they could have taken a lot about Luton from that game? Or do you, do you expect it to be approached in a completely different manner? I just hope the one lesson that they've learned from it is not to underestimate Luton and to look and see that this is a team that can compete in any game in the league this season purely based on the effort, the work rate and the sprinkle of quality you've now got as well. And I think we've got to look at it as a really difficult game and maybe that'll be the difference. There might have been a bit of complacency at the start of the season and for sure, we absolutely need to work on defending set pieces against you guys because the one thing I said during that game was do not concede a set piece against Luton because if you're going to let them score, make them work for it. And that's what you're obviously strongest at. So to concede a set piece to Luton is poor from us because we should be preparing for that because we know that's your strong point. But that's something they'll definitely need to look at. And also just in general, they need to not underestimate you guys. And I think it's going to be a real battle because you know you guys are on it a good bit of form at the minute. We're kind of just teetering along average really at the moment. So I think it'll be quite an even game as well. And how do you think Everton win this? You mentioned the physicality, you mentioned set pieces being a big thing for, for Luton. How do you make sure that it's about Everton and, and not the threats that Luton possess? I think it's remaining resolute to start with. You have to be organised on set pieces. Absolutely. But it isn't the ideal game for us, really, in the sense that we're going to have to come at you, I imagine. And that isn't what Everton are great at. I know we spoke to you before and you said there's something similar about when you're playing a team in a lower division, it doesn't work for Luton because it's hard to have to come on to a team when both of us know that we don't normally do that. So I imagine you guys will sit in and really like work hard for it, but we're going to have to break you down at some point. And that's where I see us struggling. But where I can see us winning is just... Purely from the the better quality, you'd imagine that Everton have better players in general. So you think we can get through it. And if Dominic Cavalier can just get himself a goal, like he's desperate for it. And he's not scored in 14 games. So if he can find the net, suddenly that'll just bring a bit of confidence to him and the rest of the team. But it's all about the first goal for me. If we get that first goal, I won't have many doubts that we'll win it. But 
the longer the game draws on, that's when you start to worry. And that's when the game is decided by something like a set piece. So it's just about not letting it get to that. Starting off intensely, hopefully getting the crowd involved because the longer you don't, the more the away team gets into it and just trying to get a goal early and then get through it that way, I imagine. And we've mentioned sort of the importance of the game. Um, you've mentioned a few players there that Calvert-Lewin, for example, would be very important for him to get on the score sheet. Do you think it will be at the strongest possible starting eleven that, that Sean Dyche will put out? Yeah, I imagine so. It'll be a strong team for sure. We have got a game against Fulham on the Tuesday after, so it's a bit different to the Palace game in the Cup because we had a massive break after that and we're coming to the end of that now. But there is a game on Tuesday in the league away to Fulham. So I don't think Sean Dyche is that kind of manager. I don't think he looks at a cluster of games and decides, right, I'm going to rest him here. I think it's game by game. We try and win this game and then we think about the next one. So I think he'll go strong. We are missing Abdullah Decore and we will be for a few more weeks. He's just got another injury and he's our most important player by a mile. So we'll miss him. And I think we'll be looking at Ross Barkley and thinking, he should be in that position for us. And instead, it'll be Andre Gomez, who did score a great free kick against uh, Crystal Palace. So he's got a bit of confidence as well. But yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, really. I feel like we can do it. But it's just not having Decore. We haven't won other than that game against Palace without Decore. So that's where I really fear. It's interesting what you say there, because similarly, Luton also play on that Tuesday. So... It's difficult to know how we approach this, but I think Rob Edwards sort of made a statement of intent in the last round where we started, we were at home against Bolton. Um, of course, we drew that game and it really lacked quality, but we named as strong of a starting eleven as we possibly could. It didn't really work out because it meant that we had to go to, to Bolton on a Tuesday night um, and it, it brought a game against Burnley that little bit closer to us. Um, but yeah, I think going by what you said, I think it would be a similar approach from Rob Edwards. I think he'll name as strong of a starting eleven as possible. I think that's with knowing that the game against Brighton on the on the Tuesday is a real opportunity for Luton to take some more points, especially with it being at home. Um, Brighton are another team that haven't really performed to what we know they can do in recent weeks. But I think... It becomes a mentality of the next game is the most important game. And once we're through with that, then we can assess our options. And I think that makes me believe that Luton will probably match Everton in terms of a strong starting eleven and a competitive starting eleven that, that really want that really see this as an opportunity to to get further in the cup. I think both teams probably have that attitude coming into into this game. I'll come to a score prediction now. Um of course, it's the most difficult part, score predictions. Um, typically for me, I'm awful at them, but I'll, I'll get yours first, Ellis. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it'll be decided probably by a set piece. I imagine both teams, they've not got loads of quality at the moment and Everton aren't really scoring many goals at the minute. So I think I'll go 1-0 Everton. I really want us to get through it. And I think we can on the day if we turn up, we definitely can beat you, but... It's going to be a difficult game and I hope it's the physical game that I'm expecting here. I hope there's two teams that do really want to get into the next round because that was what was lacking in the last game against Palace because it seemed like at one point they just gave up. So I'm hoping for a better game and an Everton win. 
unfortunately, I'm going to go for the same scoreline that, that uh, played out back in September. I'm going to go for for 2-1 Luton. Um, Don't remind me of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be, as you say, I think it'll be competitive. I think it's going to be physical. Um, the, I was going to go for a draw, but but knowing that the core is out um, has... has uh, it's a big miss, that. A massive it is a big miss. miss. Yeah, yeah. And I think that swayed my, my eventual score prediction. So I'm going to go 2-1 Luton. Um, but I do anticipate a very good game to be played out at Goodison Park. Ellis, a big thank you for joining me today. Um, you can find uh, Ellis's content with the Toffee Blues on Twitter. But make sure to check that out. Um, as I say a big thank you to you Ellis and a big thank you to everybody watching and listening and we'll be back after this game and ahead of the Brighton game hopefully with our name in the fifth round of the FA Cup Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.